0: What are the components of a counseling model? As I've uh, been a student of Dr. Solomon and studied counseling in seminary and conducted pastoral counseling in uh, Montreal and Ontario and the churches I served, I needed to clarify what was involved in a counseling model and also to have a context to evaluate different books and tapes I'd come across, seminars I'd go to, that sort of thing. And I'd like to commend to you this idea that a counseling model involves three M's. Us, preacher love, us preachers love you know alliteration, right? So the message is the key. What message is the central core of the counseling? Secondly, what methodology is used? And thirdly, what materials are used? That's the top of page two. What is the message? Now, we've been uh, looking at that in the conference. The conference is a summary of really the counseling message and also has the materials in terms of the notebook. But we believe that the message is Christ as our life. Christ is our liberator. John 15, He is the vine, we're the branches. Galatians 2.20. These truths of Christ-centered, grace-oriented sanctification. But you know, there are a number of devotional writers and preachers and um, devotional literature that has has heralded this message. And on page one, here are a few of them, some popular authors of the Exchange Life message. The classics is what I call those that are already with the Lord. Uh, Christian Literature Crusade is is our favorite publisher. They have an international literature ministry that really heralds this message wonderfully, and often in different languages. Andrew Murray, there's a book by... Um, edited by Bruce Wilkinson, which is a daily devotional by Andrew Murray. It's marvelous. It'd be great if you could give every counselee or even use this on your own, a daily devotional by Andrew Murray. Any of his writings, some of them are available on the Internet. A lot of these um, older authors are available at a website called uh, Christian Classics Ethereal Library. And the uh, the website address is C-C-E-L, org ccel.org and you can check some of these authors there you can download Hannah Woodhull Smith's book Christian Secret of a Happy Life and Andrew Murray and F.B. Meyer and a number of these authors have their, they have their writings uh, online for free and they're, they're uh, not copyrighted uh, F.J. Hugel has a wonderful book, Bone of His Bone and these are at the end of your counseling um, workshop manual we had a whole list of recommended reading and it looks like it's here as well the very last two pages of your, your uh, notebook has a number of these authors there. Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian Life, Roy Hessian, Calvary Road, and We Would See Jesus. Oswald Chambers. How many of you have used my utmost for his highest? It's a classic. He's teaching the same message. Jesse Penn Lewis, who wrote around the turn of the, the century, the 19, uh, early 1900s. And uh, she could say a lot in a very concise way. And and she teaches this truth. She has a book called The Cross of Calvary, which is just wonderful, available from Christian Literature Crusade. And she was a contemporary of a fellow named Evan Hopkins. And he was considered the theologian of the early Keswick Convention. And Evan Hopkins wrote a book called The Law of Liberty in the Spiritual Life, which I have on my website, uh, GraceNotebook.com. The Law of Liberty in the Spiritual Life is a marvelous book. So. Hannah Woodhull Smith's book, The Christian's Secret of a Happy Life, is probably one of the best known exchange life books out there. Charles Trumbull's book, Victory in Christ. Uh, Miles Stanford has a book, uh, Principles of Spiritual Growth, which has been published by Back to the Bible. And he also has a, com- a more extensive book, he's with the Lord now, a more extensive book called The Complete Green Letters. The Complete Green Letters. Well, we could go on and on. A uh, lot of good authors there that have taught this message uh, in a way that's impacted uh, countless people. Uh, T. Austin Sparks. Austin-Sparks was a British pastor. And there's a website, uh, austin-sparks.net that has all of his stuff online for free. And uh, just tremendous. Um, A-U-S-T-I-N, austin I. N. Austin-Sparks. .net. And you. if you want a place to start, I suggest a book called, What is Man? What is Man? Question mark, And trichotomy, identification, it's all right there. A wonderful PDF book you can download. T. Austin Sparks. And actually, Austin Sparks was one of those that influenced Watchman Nee when he was visiting England. So really, you're kind of going before Watchman Nee to see what Watchman Nee uh, drew from. Uh, and wrote in his 66 books. Well, we could say a lot more about that, but more contemporary writers. uh, You may have heard of Charles Solomon. Um, There's some of his books on the back table there. Bob George from People to People wrote a book called Classic Christianity and Others. Bill Gillum uh, from Lifetime Guarantee Ministries, and that's his most popular book, Lifetime Guarantee, which is his version of Handbook to Happiness. Uh, Bill was on staff with uh, GFI in the early days. Steve McVeigh wrote Grace Walk and a uh, very, very popular and, and uh, talented author. And he was influenced by the Gillums. So, um, the uh, Neil Anderson with uh, Freedom in Christ Ministries. Uh, his book, Victory Over the Darkness, is similar to Handbook to Happiness. It teaches body, soul, spirit, and identity in Christ. Um, Charles Stanley of First Baptist Atlanta. um I have one of his sermons uh, in the 80s after uh, the GFI conference there, and I call it the Handbook to Happiness Sermon because he nails it like only Charles Stanley can. It's an amazing sermon. Tony Evans, um, one of the AELM ministries in Dallas, uh, did training in his church, and it's neat to see how he has grasped and taught this message and is now included in the last uh, two books he has published. And then Major Ian Thomas, who's still with us in his 90s. uh, There's about... Ten or eleven Capernay uh, Bible schools around the world, and he just came out with a brand new book. And uh, pardon? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the title of it. Um, June Hunt was offering it through her ministry for free, so we we just received it. But it's something about um, the indwelling Christ, the Christ, that the Christ that dwells within. Thank you, Jeff. The Christ that dwells within. And uh, he could be in the classics category. His other books, I think, were written in the 60s, such as uh, The Saving Life of Christ, which is wonderful. And also, uh, my favorite, The Mystery of Godliness. The Mystery of Godliness is uh, a precursor to Handbook to Happiness. It's an excellent book. So, the message. Hopefully, it's biblical, New Covenant, grace-oriented, Christ-centered message. But there are people that teach this message and preach it, but it hasn't come into the the counseling process. Um, if you can picture this deeper life message as chocolate, and we used to live in Pennsylvania, so picture—I was supposed to bring it with me and I forgot—a nice big Hershey's candy bar. Okay, chocolate—that's the deeper life message. Now let the. Uh, <laughs> do I have an amen? <laughs> and then on this side, now this side rep- let that represent peanut butter. Okay, you got peanut butter. Okay, we've got a candy bar there. Anybody have a jar of peanut butter in their purse? No. So uh, peanut butter will be over here. <laughs> we'll let the peanut butter represent counseling. The peanut butter represents getting people out of sticky situations. I don't know, but anyway, peanut butter is over here. So Dr. Solomon was used of God to take the chocolate and the peanut butter put them together. So we have spiritual Reese's peanut butter cup here. So, so we have... Authors that teach the message, and we have counselors over here, but when you put the two together, that's really the key as to the testimonies that you've been hearing these days about transformational change is simply taking the fullness of the deeper life message and putting it into a short-term, strategic counseling model and look at what the Lord does. So there's the message. There's a methodology. And yesterday morning, He walked us through the methodology of the presenting problem, Taking the history, the lower track, diagnosing their natural identity and coping mechanisms and stuff. Then the upper track, um, using the line diagram, showing them their spiritual identity, and then inviting them at the cross to let go of their natural life and claim by faith their identification with Christ, appropriate that, and continue on. And uh, yesterday morning we talked about the four phases of counseling, so we also then would recommend a Freedom of Christ process and then intentional discipling to follow that. So the methodology and then the materials. It's amazing how effective the wheel and line diagrams are. Just such good tools. And you can actually uh, draw them yourself on a piece of paper and walk people through. Wasn't it fascinating, that story about the lady, he actually asked her to draw her own line diagram. (laughs) Wow. So the materials are simply tools, but we thank God for the creativity uh, of taking someone who's an engineer, you know, that engineering um, mentality and putting that into materials that we can use as tools. So we're gonna walk through about seven or eight different counseling models, and we're gonna evaluate them, because when we we get training and and so forth, we're looking for, okay, how does this differ from this, and how is this similar to this over here? Um, But when you evaluate, you need to have values, right? That's in the middle of that word evaluate. Um, if not, it's just personal opinion and, and uh, subjectivity. It doesn't really matter which you prefer. So these are the evaluation standards that we commend to you. First of all, the Keswick Sanctification Model. And that we really believe it's a New Testament Sanctification Model, but these days there are different labels. And this is a book called Five Views on Sanctification, Wesleyan View, Reformed view, Pentecostal view, Keswick view, and Augustinian dispensational view. So the reason uh, is called the view that we're teaching is called the Keswick view is that in the late 1800s, basically, more um, was published on the body-soul-spirit model of man. Uh, some of you pastors may have heard of a commentary series, the Kyle Dalich Commentaries. So Franz Dalich published a book called Biblical Psychology in German, translated into English. And as the clarity of body, soul, spirit was rediscovered, then it also gave people a key to unlock Romans 6, 7, and 8 more effectively. And it really, I believe, triggered this Keswick renewal in England. And so from the late 1800s and on, there was an annual convention where people would come together and and study the exchange life, is what we would call it. Hudson Taylor used the term exchange life, which um, Dr. Solomon is used, but there are many different labels for it or names for it: the victorious life, the higher life, the deeper life, the abundant life. But it's really the Christ-centered life, isn't it? So it's often been called called the Keswick view because uh, a lot of the the teaching and the publications have been uh, inspired by the Keswick, K-E-S-W-I-C-K convention in Keswick, England. There's also in America's Keswick in New Jersey. Um, the uh, the editor is a uh, is a fellow named Dieter. Let me see. Um, edited by Melvin Dieter, D I E T E R. It's published by Zondervan. So five views on sanctification, Zondervan. The fellow who wrote the Keswick view, by the way, is J. Robertson McQuilkin, who is uh, president emeritus of Columbia International University. In Columbia, South Carolina, a school known for this message. Um, it's interesting that the other four views don't hassle him too much. After each chapter, the other four viewpoints interact, and the other four viewpoints um, don't have a lot to criticize about Ockham's presentation. Now, his his particular exposition of what we're teaching is what I would call a Holy Spirit emphasis model. Or, if I can, if I can even focus it further, I would say that the GFI emphasis is a, cross, a cross-centered or a crucified life emphasis in this Keswick. Because um, um, Elmer Towns of Liberty wrote a book called Understanding the Deeper Life and it's available on his website for free. Um, and in the book on Understanding the Deeper Life, he mentions three different kind of emphasis. Uh, one would be the abiding life emphasis, He talks about literature that's the Holy Spirit or the Spirit-filled life emphasis and then the crucified life emphasis. So abiding life, Spirit-filled life, crucified life are all different kind of major themes within this Keswick view. And when I first read that, I thought, well, then what, what would Dr. Solomon emphasize? And right away I realized, of course, the crucified life emphasis. And why would it be so effective? Because the counseling needs to surrender. They need to experience the cross, and that's really the key to their new past and new identity. So really, we're saying that the crucified life emphasis of the Keswick model applied to counseling is what GFI is about and what our sister ministries are advocating. Um, In the standards, we're saying in terms of psychology, what we talked about yesterday, we're talking about only contextualization. Use observable information about rejection and identity and that sort of thing just to get to know someone and help them own their natural identity so that they can exchange that at the cross. We're not advocating integrating psychology and the faith in terms of the, the remedial process. Uh, we're also saying that the cross needs to be emphasized. And we talked yesterday about the cross and the four phases. Christ died for us, but also our surrender to Him, our identification with Him, Galatians 2.20, and then our victory over Satan through his cross. And in the, uh, the definition of terms in your workbook and in the conference manual, um, all those definitions about the cross are included. So we believe that each one of those dimensions of the cross need to be applied to counseling. Okay, I don't know if we have the definition of terms in this one, but it's in the, uh, the conference manual and the workshop manual. And also it's on the gracenotebook.com website if you don't have it there. Okay, um, materials, visual aids and homework that are useful in the counseling process. We think that's very important. And the methodology in terms of the sessions. What's the most effective way of guiding the counseling across the Jordan through freedom and into fruitful discipleship and ministry? And also we're asking which model has the best potential for effectively reproducing believers who are competent and effective in Christ-centered biblical counseling. If there's a model that you have to go to three years of graduate school to figure out and to do, that really slows down the potential of people being trained in the local church, right? So what's the potential for training? So on the top of page three, uh, certainly we're not judging the spirituality, the sincerity, or the outcome of these models. That's left up to the Lord to judge. And we certainly don't claim to be... uh, um, using these principles as well as they could be used. We're subject to our own weaknesses and blind spots and level of spiritual maturity. But we're going to take a look at these models and ask you to think through the implications uh, with me. Number one, Christian psychology. And uh, this would be the attempt to study psychology from a Christian perspective. And perhaps the best-known book in that camp is called Christian Counseling by Dr. Gary Collins. I couldn't find my copy to show you. I have a pile of books here, but his uh, talks about general principles. Then he he goes through a number of different counseling problems: anger, fear, guilt, etc. And he'll summarize the problem from a psychological perspective, and then give some remedial steps. But it's uh, an integration model, and so we we have um, the standards mentioned here. Uh, I would call his sanctification model a generalized one. In other words, it's kind of a um, middle of the road far as I can tell, um, model of sanctification. The role of psychology, integration. He is a professional um, uh, psychologist and educator, and so he's writing at that level. And the cross, um, and I'm saying here the cross in terms of our death with Christ, and that's, I call dimension three, our death with Christ at the cross, and I call dimension four, our victory over Satan through the cross. And then we have some websites there. So he's strong on symptom description, but um, the main thing that he offers, I think Christian psychology offers, is understanding uh, the symptoms and then um, the skills that um, are offered through professional counseling are very valuable in terms of of, uh, active listening and guiding the conversation. So general principles about counseling uh, is what we would look to him for in terms of our our training. In our correspondence school, we use his book, How to Be a People Helper, but we use it in the counseling skills course. We don't use it for the model, but we use it in terms of his information about um, dealing with counselees and structuring an interview and that sort of thing, um, because you want to learn the strong points from the various models, so Gary Collins psychology, um, Christian psychology, and uh, as far as I can tell, probably dichotomist, two parts of man. And uh, we would see primarily for skill skill development. Okay? Dimension three would represent Galatians 2.20. So dimension three is our death with Christ. And dimension four I'm calling um, Christ's victory over the enemy. And that would be on page two is the, the, the numeration I give for that. So those things are not explicit. I mean, they're, they're probably tucked in there in his explanation, but um, not explicit. New Thetic, a um, couple of things about Christian psychology. Our friend Dr. Xiang Yang Tan has a book, Lay Counseling, and uh, he would be um, basically using Gary Collins' model and applying it to Lay Counseling. And we use this in our our Counseling Skills course too because he's talking about organizing lay counseling in the church. It's called Lay Counseling, Equipping Christians for Helping Ministry and is forwarded by Gary Collins. Um, You may have read a book called Telling Yourself the Truth, uh, William Backus, uh, Ph.D. This is a psychological approach, but he's emphasizing cognitive therapy. He's saying change how a person thinks. So his counseling approach and how he trains people is also basically an integrationist approach, but using cognitive therapy. Um, This book by Timothy Foster is called The Handbook of Christian Counseling. And basically it's a generic book about um, people's problems, about helping them, about listening and guiding the conversation. But you don't really see a clear model of sanctification here. or the goal of transformational change. You basically see a generic way of helping people solve their problems. And likewise with this book, Strategic Pastoral Counseling by David Denner. He's uh, editor of the Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology, a little door about that big. Um, and in this little book, basically he's talking about a generic way, in other words, uh, uh, a basic way of, of meeting someone, listening to them, negotiating uh, the course you're taking with them in the counseling, identifying the problem, helping them um, recognize the answer and apply it. And it's, um, but it's not really a sanctification model. It's more like dealing with a particular problem, helping someone. Let's say if someone is having trouble knowing what college to go to. So you're, you know, it's more dealing with the specific issue a person's dealing with in a short term um, it's not dealing with the, the sanctification goals that we're advocating here in our training. So there's a lot under the umbrella of Christian psychology. Comments or questions about the first kind? Excuse me? Those are my sparkling, insightful comments I just mentioned. <laughs> um, so it's emphasizing the role of psychology as integration, that you can get some skill, skill development from it, you can learn about describing the problems, but uh, they're using a, probably a dichotomous model of man, and um, they're not looking for transformational change to the cross. Number two, yes? So basically what you're saying is that they're just self-help. They're self-help, but like they're not really people with the cross. I guess you could say it's a self-help approach. So we need to, you know, like if you're a Right. We're not, we're not recommending you go through that material. We're just saying, if you, if you um, are going home from the counseling training and, uh, and then someone at the church hears that you've been to uh, a seminar on Christian counseling, say, oh, that's interesting, I, I do Christian counseling too, and I use, I use Gary Collins' book, uh, Christian Counseling. Then you'll know what it is, and so you have, you have a point of reference to know where they're coming from. That's the purpose of this lecture is just to give you an idea of what other models are out there so when they engage you in conversation, you know what to compare it to. Does that make sense? That's really, we're not telling you to go and get this stuff. We're saying this is what's out there. It's being taught in schools. Hey, Brother Jim. Number two, Neuthetic Counseling is taught in a number of seminaries. And I mentioned yesterday that Jay Adams um, really encouraged a movement back toward pastoral counseling using the Bible. And uh, his book, Christian Counselor's Manual, is very popular. One I got recently on this uh, theme is called Curing the Heart by Howard Eirich. Or Eirich. And I think he's the uh, head of the, um, the Trinity Seminary in, in Newburgh, Indiana. Is that right? I think he's with that school. But basically, they're talking about what Dr. Solomon calls a uh, doing in order to be approach. Remember that his counseling chart? He calls it bibliotherapy. So that would be nuthetic counseling. Using the Bible, but focused on sin and the importance of repentance and obedience as the goal. We have, we have no problem with that, but we would call it phase four because there needs to be the identification and freedom really to apply that model. Um, so a uh, number of different authors, Wayne Mack, his, uh, his material, just chuck full of scriptures, but um, is primarily application oriented. Does that sound right, Chad? So um, as discipleship, topical discipleship would be very useful in that context. So um, what else do we have here? Typically a Reformed sanctification emphasis. The pastoral counseling is David Benner. You can feel free to look look over this one afterward. Um, He's an integrationist. Um, Neuthetic counseling, um, Reformed, model of sanctification, which means probably a two-part model of man. Um, Not seeing the cross as experiential. Actually, they would see the idea of appropriating Christ as life as as, um, a second work of grace or they would see it in a derogatory way. Um, The emphasis on repentance and obedience. They emphasize non-integration. I mean, any hint of integration is like, you know, they'll really be against it. So uh, even the idea of contextualization makes them uncomfortable. Now I sent the, um, the study that we presented yesterday morning, I sent that to the um, International Association of Biblical Counselors, IABC. And uh, I actually offered to join their organization. So I um, sent them that, that material. And eventually when I talked to them over the phone, they said, well, we, we can't really find fault with what you're saying there, but that's really not the direction we're going. So in other words, they, although they didn't criticize the idea of contextualization, it made them a bit uncomfortable, you know, because it looks like you're opening the door and you don't want the elephant to kind of get its way into the, or is it the camel getting into the tent, anyway. So they, they thought it was just a, you know, it would open the door. So uh, I appreciate their honesty. So they're really, their goal is, is just to say absolutely, you know, be on guard against any type of psychology is what you'll hear. Uh, his book, Competent to Counsel, um, makes that loud and clear. The orientation is pastoral counseling. Jay Adams is a seminary professor, professor and really he's he's there to train pastors and he sees them as the primary counselors. He's not really after uh, lay counseling except those who take the initiative um, to get the training through NANC. So... Uh, It's, you could call it biblical behavior modification is, is one way to describe it. The idea of our death with Christ, they would say that's positional only, like justification. You know, There's not a spiritual union with Christ that would, that would change your spiritual nature like we're teaching. Uh, a spiritual and legal identification, they would say it's positional identification. Because he was a seminary professor and uh, and because he was so bold in applying the Bible to counseling. So basically people would just equate, if you're doing biblical counseling, what else is there? So there, that was really the biblical counseling model. And uh, they didn't maybe take a closer look that it was Reformed theology that was being applied. Even Baptists and others would say, well, it's biblical counseling. And maybe they would just set aside like the phrase where he says you can't tell a counselee e that Christ died for them, you know, because he believes in limited atonement. You don't know whether they're the elect or not. So you know, we would just kind of skip that and, and keep going. But um, because he was, because um, of the literature that was produced, because it it was already a seminary level, other seminaries could just say, hey, that looks good, and we do want to teach biblical counseling, so they they would bought, bought into it and. So, when people are disillusioned with secular counseling and they see nuthetic counseling as biblical counseling, they're not noticing that neuthetic is necessarily uh, what I would call phase four or that it's reformed theology. They just say it's biblical. And, of course, that's, that's the good part about it. We respect their contribution. Um, I've gotten some of their materials and I've learned a lot from them. Uh, but we're saying it does have this, this slant that it's positional identification. Um, they don't really want to talk about emotions that much. They'll say that, that therapists that talk a lot about emotions and feelings, you're, you're kind of wasting time. Just get to the will. You know, repent and obey. So they're going to be focusing on believe the word and obey. They're not going to talk much about feelings. Um, they're going to be dichotomists, body and soul, not body, soul, spirit. Yes, sir? And competent to counsel is basically protesting that so many pastors were going into integration and, and chasing psychology, and he 's saying, "Wait a minute don 't sell your birthright. come back here. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The Word of God is adequate for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. so he was like a prophet you now, and we respect him for that. God used him in that way so n a n c is is a uh, um, what does that stand for? Nuthetic counselors, right. So, um, newthetic comes from a Greek word to uh, admonish. So, newtheo is to admonish. So, that's really the emphasis of, uh, of the counseling is to admonish people to believe and obey the Word of God. And if we take a closer look at Paul's epistles, the first half, let's say, of Ephesians is about our wealth in Christ, our identification with Christ, uh, being united with Christ. And then the second half is, therefore, walk worthy of the calling. So really, we're just we're saying this really is biblical, um, not just the biblical admonitions, but let's start with our union with Christ first. And Ephesians also has the warfare, which would be, what, phase 3? There in chapter 6. So... Um, but some some just brief comments on that. Yes, honey? basically counseling is the the to So See she's more direct than I am. <laughs> <laughs> she's telling you what it's really like. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite about it. Um, she's saying this is how it is. That's right. If we're really going to um, get to the bottom line, apart from the cross, is strengthening the flesh. Even though it sounds good. But um, Paul says in Philippians 3, look, I'm an expert on, on self-righteousness, but we have come, it says in Philippians 3, to have no confidence in the flesh, even positive flesh. And that's what Paul's was, right? Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, all that, he said, I had to just give up on that, not only for salvation, but also for the Christian life. So, yeah, apart from the cross, it really is strengthening the flesh. Well, basically, the crux of the matter is, the crux of the cross, is that if you are a Christian and you're going the Christ in your life, anything that you're trying to do unless you actually realize that you have to die even though you Christ, Well, thankfully, the Lord is gracious, and whatever we do for His glory and His name, He will bless and He'll use. So it's not that we have to feel like uh, it's useless, um, but we're saying that if we want to to gain the fullness of life in Christ, then instead of trying to do that in our own strength, we're going to discover that Christ can do it through us. So we don't have to mourn over the past. Um, Like Dr. Solomon sometimes mentions, he mentions a pastor who had planted churches and done so much ministry and then you know, had heart attacks and then came for counseling and he was in the wilderness for 48 years. Remember that story? Some of you have heard it. And uh, although that's true, the fellow didn't come to find the rest of the Gospel and the peace and so forth, that doesn't mean that his whole ministry was a waste. God, at the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to have all kinds of rewards. It's just that if he knew this truth earlier, he could have done that with much more more uh, joy and much more freedom. you know freedom and without perhaps the pressure and the anxiety and the stress that he did you know without knowing that Christ could do it through him Don't you think it's very interesting. Point. Let's look at some exchange life friendly models. Um, Soul Care uh, or Spiritual Direction by Larry Crabb, for example. Here's one of his books, The Pressure's Off. See, the guy had this world on his shoulders, and finally The Pressure's Off. And uh, Mickey mentioned yesterday that he studied under Larry Crabb, and it's been fascinating to see Larry's journey. I mentioned his board member, Dwight Edwards. writing a book, The Revolution Within, which is really an exchange life book, uh, quoting Andrew Murray and other things, very well written, although from, it's not a trichotomous presentation, so not quite the clarity that we we would have taught, but um, it's helped Larry to move toward a more, what he would call a New Covenant emphasis. He emphasizes um, community, and if you go to his website, which uh, we have listed there, you'll see him talk about the New Covenant and about grace, Um, and about community so I would call it a soft Keswick orientation because he's been impacted by the Keswick literature, at least second generation literature Um, he remembered his talk about spoiling the Egyptians so he still is um, prominent in psychological circles but now he really is is concerned about having a God-centered model so he's considered the more spiritual um, God-centered voice, wouldn't you agree, within the and of psychological therapies out there, but he calls it spiritual direction mostly, or spiritual formation. Um, So his orientation, professional counselors and leaders, um, they do have training out there where he he is, I believe, in Colorado. So he believes in um, our death with Christ, but I think it would be positional from what I I read in him. And I don't hear him talk much about... um, uh, spiritual warfare, which would be Dimension 4. But it's mostly uh, the the importance of a God-centered life, fellowship, living, living uh, out of this New Covenant perspective, and I assume he would be a dichotomist. But um, we did send him some literature and been in dialogue, but haven't really heard back. So uh, pray for Larry for his continued influence. He has a tremendous influence through his writings. And so... Um, Let's look at number four, the Freedom in Christ Process. We have Discipleship Counseling by Neil Anderson. And uh, here's a book called Christ-Centered Therapy, which Neil wrote with um, with a psychologist and a, and a uh, medical or a Ph.D., uh, husband and wife um, that are more uh, psychotherapists. But uh, a church out west um, has integrated the Steps to Freedom in their their counseling ministry, and so they teamed up to write this book, Christ-Centered Therapy. And there's a lot there. Um, There's also, someone mentioned John Regeer. Someone asked about John Regeer the other day. Uh, Here's his manual. It's called Biblical Concepts Counseling Manual. A lot of good things in here, but it's really a freedom in Christ emphasis. You don't hear him talk about an explicit path to the cross or identification. It's all dealing with with um, bitterness and, and uh, sin problems by claiming the power of Christ as, as liberator. Great phase three material. Great freedom of Christ material, but it's all oriented in that direction. And I have a, a videotape of his where, where testimonies are given and there is transformational change when people get free in Christ. And we rejoice in that, but we just believe that the cross and identification really should be foundational to what uh, is presented there. Um, here are a couple of some websites, uh, Freedom of Christ Ministries, FICM.org, ICBC, International, International Center for Biblical Counseling.org, um, that's Mark Bubeck and Jim Logan, BiblicalConcepts.com is John Regeer, and they're all emphasizing uh, spiritual warfare issues, but they do believe in the exchange life. We heard Mark Bubeck, uh, Paul Travis there, uh, invited us to the Freedom of Christ Conference a couple years ago, and Mark teaches this truth about identification. So thankfully it's there, and each of these ministries believe it, but their focus is on um, tearing down strongholds and getting people free. I would, I would just assume there would be minimal integration from what how Neil describes it in his book there. Their focus is Christian leaders and church ministry, they teach identification, and they emphasize uh, freedom of Christ as a process. Now, if we want to really take a closer look, um, we're saying that Neil Anderson, uh, up to this point, has taught identification, but is presented as information. You know, know who you are in Christ. But the process is the steps to freedom, and this is what you do step by step. Notice that in our training we're saying that identification is also a process. There needs to be the conviction of our flesh. There needs to be brokenness. There needs to be surrender totally to God. And then not only understanding Galatians 2.20, but we need to appropriate it by faith. So we believe that's a process, not just uh, truth. Now, it was a process in Neil's life, but sometimes we see a pattern in Bob George and Steve McVeigh and, and Neil that they have this experience of brokenness and crashing and burning, and then the revelation of Christ's life, but then in what they teach, they don't really teach that those aspects of their own journey. They teach the positives. Who you are in Christ. And of course, that's what people want to hear, but as Chuck has said, it's possible to, to try to live Christ's identity in your own strength. First time I heard that, I thought he was splitting hairs, but I've come to, to see that in in experience that If you just see it as identity without understanding identification as the basis for it, then it can kind of be uh, an indirect self-esteem kind of thing happening. So wonderful material in phase three, um, and that's the emphasis of these ministries. And Paul will be talking about this aspect of the counseling in our next session, so I better keep moving. Uh, Number five, Christ-centered counseling. You got this blue brochure. This is from June Hunt. Now, Jude Hunt uh, mentioned um, recently that Major Ian Thomas's writings, especially his book, Saving Life of Christ, was the most influential book in her Christian journey. So in other words, she encountered the exchange life and God used it powerfully. Well, she, she started um, Hope for the Heart. How many of you have heard that radio program, Hope for the Heart? They also have Hope in the Night, which is a call-in show. And God has tremendously blessed and expanded that ministry. She's got a real teaching gift, doesn't she? She has 100, 100 counseling keys, and they're topical. It could be anxiety, could be anger, could be depression, uh, whatever. 100 of them, and uh, you can get it in a kit for a few hundred dollars, or you can get, um, I think for about $95, you can get a, a Bible program that has all the 100 counseling keys information on it, which is probably the the most economical way to get it. You can get each counseling key with a CD and a booklet and things like that, which I think they're about $25 per kit, if I remember correctly. Um don't have time to read through the brochure with you. You can look it over. Excellent material. Um her her sanctification emphasis would be Keswick. Um I would call her approach contextualization because she does talk more about the symptoms of each of these problems. So she does uh go into um, some of the information that we could observe about people's uh, behavior and feelings um, that we can gain from psychology, but without using that as the answer. Um, she teaches the truth of identification with Christ. She teaches freedom in Christ, as far as I can tell. Uh, and she is trichotomist, but it's not explicit in most of her teaching. The Counseling Key and the Holy Spirit d- describes the body, soul, spirit distinction. So she is a trichotomist, um, extensive curriculum. But here's the difference. June approaches it, so what I can tell, is that let's say someone has a problem with anger. So she'll approach it in terms of uh, welcoming the person, talking about the anger, and then she'll help them learn about, well, these, these are the problems associated with anger. You know, Get familiar with it. Well, this is, these are the steps on how to deal with anger. And in those steps, she'll include the truths of identification. You know, like She may include Galatians 2.20, but it's like one of the, the truths that she includes in the steps out of anger. In other words, it's a topical, symptom-based approach. So really, we could call it a phase four approach, as topical discipleship, but instead of it being a new thetic, she's including identification with Christ and also some freedom in Christ material. So it's a bit more holistic biblical counseling, I would say, but she's doing it in a symptom based way. Where we're saying we believe it's best to deal with the root problem, the self-life, which is really the linchpin for everything else. Instead of dealing with with the arm of the octopus, right? Deal with the octopus. Because <laughs> if you do, then all the arms are going to be, you know, dealt with all at once. So that's why in, in our workshop we deal with the core process of dealing with the self-life because all those symptoms can be traced back to the self-life. And, uh, but she has a lot of good information that could be part of your library that you can use to supplement your, your counseling process, especially after people come to the cross to, uh, to supplement that. What do you think? I can see why. Because you're dealing with felt needs people have and you're giving them an effective biblical answer. Okay. And it's it is seasoned with identification with Christ and freedom principles. So um, if you wanted to, to have a counseling school or something like that, I mean, June Hunt's material would really give you plenty to work with, um, especially after... <laughs> uh the individual process of taking someone to the cross. Sorry, yeah. Wouldn't that just help Sorry, can I talk? Sure. Wouldn't that just um like even, even though that it sounds pretty good and everything I I guess I can imagine to maybe the problem to your telling how you want anger, but then wouldn't the problem come back again after them? Like even though you brought identity into it and then we like okay, I know I'm supposed to do this kill the same thing. I know I'm supposed to do this, this and this, but like if they didn't get it, it to the root, the problem could not solve. She helps me again. <laughs> She's not letting me be too soft on this. So you're right. If you don't really uh, deal with the self-life totally, you know you can be just kind of kind of brushing it without really dealing with the cross. So um, the chews are there, but it's possible if it's just symptom-based to get some help, but not really give them the ultimate capital H help of having their funeral and making that exchange. And that's why we're advocating um, the core process that you're trained to do. So thank you for making that not letting me brush over it. Yes. So it's phase four material that's going to be reinforcing what you've taught them rather than kind of going against it. Now, a lot of the nuthetic material, I can't see a lot of it, but um, there would be a tendency for the nuthetic material, if it's Reformed theology-based, to, uh, to not be reinforcing the grace perspective and the identity perspective where June's material would be reinforcing it. So I think it would be an excellent Phase 4 supplement to use with folks. Dominique, could you... And I think Beth teaches these truths as well as a as a as a discipleship process. Um, I haven't really read you know extensively. I've heard her speak and things like that. So I. Th- I think she's living out of that reality. But um, as a conference speaker, as an author, her material is certainly godly and Bible-centered and has a lot of these ingredients If we can think of a recipe. Most of the ingredients are there, praise God. But again, not, she's not a counselor in the sense of leading someone through it as a process. So I just think a lot of that would be good supplementary material. Her material on Breaking Free of Strongholds, her book, um, Praying God's Word, you know, those would be, could be, would be helpful Phase 3 and 4 uh, resources. Okay. Let's look at um, number six. Remedial Discipling is really my my title for it. (coughs) Counseling God's God's Way by Bob Hoekstra. How to Counsel God's Way. And uh, jot down this website, if you would. um, Blue Letter Bible. You've heard of the Red Letter Bible. But blueletterbible.org.org. And if you go to blueletterbible.org and click on Devotionals, you'll see one called Day by Day by Grace by this author. You can get it sent to you each day if you want. It's nice and concise, Grace perspective. It'll also give you a link to Living in Christ Ministries and his website, which I guess is livinginchrist.something. I don't know if I have it. Do I have it there? Yeah, okay, so that's Okay, that, so that's the actual address without the domain name. So there it is. Uh, if you go there, he has his conference on how to counsel God's way on MP3, which you can listen to for free, as far as I can tell, on the internet. A lot of good teaching material. He is very much against psychology, so you won't hear him talk about contextualization. He's just, you know, protesting psychology. But he does teach uh, the exchange life, body, soul, spirit. Um, excellent material. So, what else can we say about him? Um, Identification is taught explicitly. Um, I didn't remember him talking that much about an explicit freedom in Christ process, but very strong on identification. But his process is more what I would call uh, conversational. So he'll talk about you know, the interview of, of welcoming the person and then prayerfully hearing what they have to say. And his goal is to teach these truths, but he'll do it as a non-engineer. Can I say it that way? Dr. Solomon, the engineer, we got you know the straight line of the cross and here's how to do it step by step. Whereas, Brother Bob, is, it's um, the message and there's a process of engaging the person in conversation, but how how it gets there is between you and the Lord, if I can say it that way. But a lot of good principles, a lot of good truth, uh, wonderful material, but the model is not as an explicit strategic process is what Dr. Solomon has developed, in my opinion. Um... Okay, let's take a look at number seven: Strategic Biblical Counseling by Greg Berts. Um, strategic Biblical Counseling. I think I have his website there, don't I? Um, his wife, Altha Burtz, also is a counselor, and she was counseled by Dr. Solomon about 20 years ago. And so uh, we just—I just met him maybe a year and a half ago. And Altha's has written a book called um, "Come Come Up Higher," which I'd really recommend. If you go to his website, there's probably a link for her book, which is her autobiography. It's really an alpha, A L T H A. Or you can just say Mrs. Burtz. But anyway, uh, her spiritual journey is what I call a full four phase spiritual journey. You hear her talk about tremendous rejection, you hear her describe her salvation, her identification, her learning about spiritual warfare, and her ongoing ministry. And she's got the correct terminology. It's a wonderful book. Come Up Higher is called really recommend it to you and uh, we also have her testimony on cd which we could um, get to you she has uh, been connected with race Steadman's church peninsula bible church in california another good website is uh, peninsula bible church p b c peninsula bible church and race deadman library they have oodles of race Steadman's writings and preaching He was a famous expository Bible preacher and guess what? He taught the exchange life. Body, soul, spirit, grace and um, pbc.org. You have a lot of his expository biblical preaching and it's going to come from an exchange life perspective. He was known as an author and expository biblical preacher. Uh, Ray Stedman. He was famous for a book, um, the one about relationships, body life. He wrote body life, which was what, 70s or so? Good, didn't remember that. So what about Greg Burtz? Um, he's teaching the exchange life. Uh, he'd be probably the closest model to what we're teaching other than the Association of Exchange Life Ministries. Keswick, uh, Sanctification, Abiding in Christ. But he would emphasize the Abiding in Christ to meet ultimate needs. Uh, Larry Crabb's material, remember we talked about his book Basic Principles of Biblical Counseling and his other book, Effective Biblical Counseling. Basically what, what Greg has done is taken the exchange life truths that are in Handbook to happiness and so forth, but he's presented them more in a Larry Crabb model. Larry has a model in the book here where he talks about identifying needs and then showing people how God can meet those needs. And then he talks about counseling um, them in terms of how they think, I think he starts with emotions, how they feel, um, how they think, and then how they choose. So that's the approach that Greg Birch takes. He um, presents the exchanged life in a step by step process, and he changes, he uh, trains church leaders to do so, but his approach is more in terms of how we think, how we feel, how we think, how we choose. So his diagram follows that model rather than the wheel in line, although he has, I think, some charts here that are similar. Um, so, I would recommend this book to you, and his material is very helpful. And so he he emphasizes uh, our death with Christ, and all the all his material as well includes the feeding of Christ process. And uh, they're friends of the ministry, and um, we appreciate what God's doing through them in California. And then uh, spiritual therapy, which is what we're studying this week. And just to mention, AELM stands for Association of Exchange Life Ministries. You see their website there. Um, Last year I joined them. Um, The history of AELM is that Grace Fellowship uh, started back in about 1970, and they planted offices in Springfield, Missouri, Atlanta, different places. And then in the mid-80s, those offices became, uh, decided to become separate from GFI and be autonomous. So there's the mother ministry with Chuck, but then the the kids, became they left the nest. They became separate ministries. Uh, Shortly after that, they realized, well, we do want to stay connected, but instead of being connected through GFI, they formed an association of exchange life ministries. Now there's over 50 of them. Um, It's been a little bit awkward because Wow! <laughs> wish it always worked that way, usually it usually doesn't. Um, they, um, Lee, you remember Lee uh, who was counseling, Kurt, those of you who were at the workshop? Lee was uh, the president of AELM for many years, and so of course he's familiar with the wheel and line, but they, they modified and went to the concentric circles and they redid the line diagram. So basically they, they adapted. Uh, the workbook and copyrighted it for AELM. So they they still follow the Exchange Life model, but use, they changed the materials. So um, that created some hard feelings. Um, and there hasn't really been much communication and networking as we would like to have seen. Back in 2000, I joined them as a bridge building uh, endeavor, but then they um, discontinued my category of membership. I didn't want to know if I should take it personally or what. But a um, couple, couple years take it across amen brother that's the daily cross so um we continue to uh, to uh, I did websites for for ALM ministries for them and tried to network and build relationships so um, we went to the the conference in Atlanta three years ago and had shared a book table with one of our friends uh, Lewis Gregory um, and Chuck was there, and a lot of people you know, hadn't met Chuck before, so it was kind of like he was getting reacquainted with a lot of people who had read Handbook to Happiness in the counseling training at the other offices. Um, and then he was given honorable mention uh, and welcomed there, which was nice. So there was some healing that was taking place. And I didn't want to join to kind of muscle in or to think that we're trying to influence them. So I was just praying about it, because I already joined once and got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about healing prayer later. Um, and so I just prayed, Lord, you know, should I join again? And and then um, the president of, of the association, I found out was uh, that his family knew some of my kinfolk up in Connecticut. And he said, hey, why don't you join as an individual? Because there's a ministry membership and an individual membership. Well, now I was invited, <laughs> so I wasn't muscling in. And, and so I did join uh, last year. And it was neat to see... Uh, some of the, the networking is already starting to happen as a result of that. So um, as an individual, I'm more free to uh, contribute in terms of, of the training materials and dialogue, and yet um, technically GFI isn't gonna be using the AELM version of, of the materials because we like the original version better. Um, so it seems to be the best of both. I can, I can build relationships and, and uh, express our unity and yet also maintain our role um, in GFI so, you see the different principles there, their website, and we praise God for what God is doing through the AELM offices. But let me uh, mention some... tenants. I was in Washington, D.C. for an AELM meeting where I joined and where they later dropped me from. Um... <laughs> I was talking to a fellow there who said, um, really the goal of counseling is to teach identity. It wasn't about brokenness. It wasn't about the cross. It was all about teaching identity. So right away I could see that there had been a drift from what I'd been learning from Dr. Solomon. Not all would have that tendency, but there has been that. Um, there's also been a drifting from contextualization, our, our term, to some integration. And one of the major offices We had a trainee who went through their eight-week internship, and there was a lot of psychological material that was being put into the process. Now, the pendulum has swung back from that office, which I'm happy to hear. They're not using as much psychology now. Um, Thirdly, a number of them extend extend the history-taking sequence where they may take a number of sessions to take someone's history. And as Dr. Solomon says, if you take three or four sessions to take a history, you're starting to do therapy and you're keeping them in suspense and uh, my My stepmother sat in with an exchange life counselor who uh, took the initial interview went through the whole interview and the person poured out all their hurts and things, and he didn't give them the answer and My stepmom really was kind of disillusioned with this approach to counseling because the counseling role wasn't really helped, so I can see why Chuck is saying we want to. We want to not leave them you know, in despair. We want to lead them on to the answer uh, in terms of Christ as life. And then sometimes they emphasize structuring the flesh, um, which I think we could do more of, um, but they help someone really clarify what that baby is so they can let it, let go of it more clearly, so to speak. It wasn't as smooth as I thought. Um, so... I know there's more we could discuss about that. I have a number of books and materials up here for you to take a look at. But basically, um, the reason for this lecture is so that when you encounter people of other approaches to counseling, you'll understand a little bit more about where they're coming from and how we're similar and in what ways we're distinct and why. And so uh, it's not that we have all the answers, but I hope that it puts in context what you're learning. That's it.